All we have is the now man, according to Kanye. I went out one spring morning to find myself a friend, someone I could believe in until the very end. I found myself the devil, he was sitting in a bar. He bought me 15 rum and cokes and then he went too far. Now the devil is my friend, the devil is my friend. Wherever I go, the devil goes. Guitar. Equal opportunity offending from the abyss, aka podcasting from a spare bedroom in exurban Atlanta. Welcome to the Godless Heathens Podcast, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Don. I'm Nicholas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm Jeff. Really, <laughs> and I'm Jerry. Now, I, you, now you threw me. Like, you know, <laughs> Who I, am I? Yeah. Like, For a second know. there, I thought Nicolas Cage was here. <laughs> You're Don Corleone. Cornelius. No, Don. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Don was somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, they're confused a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we can tell wherever this podcast is heading. No doubt. Mm. Wow. And I'm Jerry. I wish I sounded like Don Cornelius, although he's dead, so he doesn't sound at all. <laughs> this is an atheist podcast that will challenge your assumptions and ours, too. Three guys, one mic, plenty of opinions. Definitely not here to preach to the atheist choir, but to critique, ridicule, and poke fun at anyone, especially ourselves. So join us as we examine the crossroads of politics and religion from the secular perspective. And remember, don't believe everything you hear in this podcast or anywhere else for that matter until you've independently verified it for yourself. In other words, Google, Google Duck, Duck that shit. shit. I think we have to explain a little bit. Before we start recording, Jeff said that in his mind. Well, when I listen. When you listen when to I yourself listen, talk. I, yeah, I sound like. In your head. I sound cool in my head. Yeah, you sound like Nicolas Cage, you said. No, not in my head. I sound. Oh, you say, you think you sound smooth and cool in my but head? But when you listen, when I listen oh, to my recorded you. voice, I sound like a goof. And you, like no, Nicholas like, Cage, like always Cage. sounds like a goof to me. Okay, he looks like a goof. That makes sense. He's, he's done a lot he of a goof. goof things. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I don't hear that. Well, that's encouraging then. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't particularly like the way I sound either. Uh, nobody does. Nobody so, likes yeah. the way. Yeah, nobody likes their recorded voice. Different. Yeah, but if you have a really good vote, I should ask somebody who like Casey Kasem in, in radio, loves the sound like, of his I recorded radio, voice. I should, yeah. but this topic never came up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how do you sound in your head? And I'm like, hmm, what's going on in your head to ask that question? What are um, you drinking, Tom? Gnarly head, old vine Zinfandel, Napa Valley. Whatever. It's an apple wine. It's, California. it's a red wine from California. Yeah, you old. should say it like Spicoli, though. Gnarly head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I posted a Spicoli meme on Facebook today. A friend of ours so that sounded like a was, horse. <laughs> was in a car wreck and broke her wrist. And I posted a meme that said, ooh, gnarly. Some pictures of it. Well, and I'm drinking a Kalamazoo Stout. Because I kind of figure some of our topics tonight, as we tend to do, get a little bit on the dark side. So you're having a dark beer for I'm dark topics. I'm a dark beer for dark topic. Yeah. yeah. And it's a shout out to my old stomping grounds in Michigan. They make some good beer there. They didn't make it when I was there, but they make it now. So you lived in all the, maybe I have to cover that. You lived uh, in all in the all northern the, states. Yeah. Yeah, the ones that turned for Trump. Michigan. Wisconsin. Wisconsin Ohio. Minnesota. No, I never lived in Minnesota. You lived in Ohio? Kansas. Iowa. 
I was born in Iowa. Big Ten country, Yeah, baby. Big Ten country, yeah. As soon as I left. Yeah. Yeah. What are you drinking, Jerry? I'm drinking a Central State Pudding Stout. Pudding? Pudding. Pudding. P-U-D-D-I-N? G. Pudding. Pudding. P-U-D-D-I-N-G. What did I say? Pudding? Pudding. That's pretty, that's pretty Midwestern of me right there. Pudding. <laughs> Eat your pudding. Chocolate Pudding's pudding. Stout. Although when you look at it, you don't see the G. That's my excuse. Yeah. I'm rolling with it. Pudding Stout. Midwestern beer. The name of the beer is Untitled Art, which seems really kind of... Pretentious. Slightly, you know, like handlebar mustache. For chocolate coffee, pudding. Coffee places that I love to go to. Mm-hmm. Love to go to those places, even though I am not one of them. Nerd out on coffee. This is 12%. Ooh, wow. So Ooh. I'm only having one. Hello, Jerry. You know, when you're done, you should try some. Because it's 12%. Yeah. And you don't get that opportunity very often. We can get some of their stuff. Central State, I've gotten a few other things at our store. But yes, it's as dark as the weeks behind us, and this pod could be. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Smooth. So there was something on Twitter that befuddled me. Shocking that uh, Twitter did not meet somebody's intellectual and spiritual (laughs) needs. On the Godless account. There was a tweet from at Mick Atheist. Just to be clear, and this tweet is, you know, like formatted. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a massive text. Right. It's you know, poetic. Right. Yeah. In, in, yeah, you could call it that. Just to be clear, and that title is all is capitalized. That the editor nerd in me says, you're being pretentious. So it says, we have no God. We have no place of worship. We have no prophets. We have no leader. We have no belief system. Atheism is not a religion. Thumbs, Thumbs up, up, emoji. <laughs> well, that was clear. What's clear about that? No, I mean, where he's that coming from. That, that, he's clear on what he's saying there. What's he saying? Atheism is not a religion? Yeah. Uh, NFS. <laughs> <laughs> Who's contesting that? Well, there are some religious people yeah. that say science is your religion. Yeah, that you've traded your Christianity <laughs> to pray at the altar of Hitchens and Dawkins. Okay. But that comes with a misunderstanding and about what atheism is. Well, to me, it's more of a, it's just a bad argument. It's almost like, yeah, we're stupid, but you're kind of stupid too. It's, you know, so are you kind of an argument. It's it's not. Exactly, yeah. When you start to be in, in a discussion or, or argument with a theist and you start pointing out the bad things about religion, then they just turn around, oh, well, you're religious too. You just have a different form of religion. It's been, it's been a couple weeks that we haven't really talked about messaging. Mm-hmm. So, We're you know, I'm feeling it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, you know, shuffling my seat a little bit, get my shoulders ready, you know, get the bat in my head. Yeah, that's right. Crack right. knuckles. Get loose. <laughs> Who are you talking to when you say atheism is not a religion? You know, when you say that some religious people say, and I say this with no overt disrespect, who cares what they think? Right, right. Why should, and I don't. So they're contesting it? Surprising, yeah. because we're completely on opposite ends of the spectrum. No kidding. Mm-hmm. You, it's like you're talking to them. Well, that's why I was curious. So he posts this on atheist sites, though. So well, like, his, 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 just on Twitter. His on Twitter yeah, in general. His Twitter handle is at McAtheist. So clearly, it's a big part of his identity. Right. But does he think he has Christian followers that are? Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. I'm sure. Just I'm like sure. just like we follow. Ray Ken Comfort. Ham and Ray, Ray Comfort. Ken, right. Well, we used to follow right. Ken Ham. We, we've been blocked. Yeah. <laughs> Proudly <laughs> not, blocked. Yeah. But no, no. Franklin Graham, 
whoever does that Godless Heathens hmm. Twitter, he had a couple caustic. Had a couple of Franklin Graham slams this uh, this past Graham week. slam. But I'm so does he think that this is like the slam dunk is like conversation mic drop? I think this thing? is no. I think this is a come at me, bro. Tweet. It's throw throw. That's it. why you liked yeah, it. I That's love why it. you yeah. liked it. He uh, he's he's throwing it out there and he's like looking right. for discussion. Come on. Yeah, what, what hit, you got? hit me with your best shot. This is something that I I would tend to see more often in one of the Christian versus atheist Facebook debate groups kind of posts. This is this is the way they start. It's something something along these lines or the mirror opposite of it from from do, a theist. Do, so. Like, do God you, is real. You can't prove it otherwise. Do, do, you know, you, kind of thing. do you actually read these conversations anymore? You might have started, but after a while, there, it's got to be a one-note symphony. It is. Ding, it's, ding. it's Pascal's wager over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's the argument from complexity over. You know, it, it's the and, same arguments over and, and over again. when it's being made... It's being made like it's new. Oh yeah, and it's not because you know, it's I've like never heard that it's new to them. It's right. new to them. Nobody ever hit them with Pascal's wager before. Right. So all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, or you know, <laughs> I where the atheists get their morals from? Oh god damn it! Somebody bring me a hot pocket. I am slaying it on the internet. You know, <laughs> the first time that they hear that argument, they think that they have just the slam dunk solved it. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. There's there's no coming back from this. And it's the you know, and, and then when they post it, it's same old shit every week, dude. Read a book, you know. It's, okay. You know, so it it sounds like you don't like it that much after all. I don't have a issue with any of these statements. I do. Which one? Uh, we have no belief system. That drives me nuts because it's such a narrow context. Well, and that it doesn't also, say we don't believe in anything. That says that we don't have a system. Yet? A well, it depends on how you're defining belief, number yeah. one. I mean, that's always one of those squishy words. But, yeah, I mean, I believe in rational thought. Mm-hmm. If that's going a, way out there, are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, you know, that bridge. <laughs> but is that, you know, is that a belief or is that a trust? Okay, so... so I trust what, in reason what, what and scientific method. What does he mean method. by we, have a be- we don't have... We have no belief system. What does he mean by I think that? Because I may have taken it... Well, I'll tell you what I think about it. But okay, what do you think he meant? I think that what he's saying is... In in context of like a religious belief system, a a dogma, so to speak, mm-hmm. that you have to adhere to to be a, you know, on the inside of the circle and not be on so the that, outside of the that's circle. A, that's a very thoughtful response. That is a one sentence, mm-hmm. though, that doesn't mention dogma mm-hmm. or all right. that kind of additional context. I, I took it in that in that context. I, I, everybody has a worldview. If somebody, if you, if you, that was your tweet, mm-hmm. and you put that as your explanation for that, mm-hmm. I totally buy it. Okay, but when you read it, how did you see it? That we don't believe in anything. That we, yeah, mm-hmm. and we that's, believe in nothing. That is right, yeah. and yeah. that's how. Might as well kill ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> God, if it wasn't no. for God, I'd just be out raping and pillaging all day long, yep. you know? Well, I believe in laws, believe in nothing. So that's one thing that drives me nuts, that atheists get behind it. Because I think it's a, a negative message. It is kind of confrontational. And I don't think it's true. Mm-hmm. I think everybody believes in things. Right. But yeah. it's not faith. You believe in your politics. You believe in your teams. The whole world is not some series of math equations. It's not that rational and that scientific, but 
when you when you say that, that's a I think that's a slag. On a self-slag, and I don't get it. Well, here's the other thing. As you look at each one of those, to me, that is a human tendency. And while we may not do it in, you know, belief in a God, we do all have some kind of gods that we pay homage to, whether it's a football team or brand of phone or whatever, company that we work for, we pledge allegiance to certain things. So same thing with places of worship, depending on how you're defining worship. TV shows, yeah, that podcasts. You, that you're committed to and you show up, you know, religiously <laughs> to watch <laughs> yeah. those things. So, and prophets, you know, we I like to listen to people that know what's going on. You need to be listening to people that have a handle on where things are headed. And the leader thing, that drives me nuts, too, is we try to claim we have no leaders. And yet, if anybody has a criticism of one of the speakers in the atheist circuit, immediately there's people that will... The lines are drawn. So, yes, there are leaders. You may not want to call them leaders, but that's a human tendency. So, that's another way to look at that statement, because... We have no leader. Leaders. Well, <laughs> I think there's pushback on that sometimes, that it's kind of herding cats, and we don't want the next level leaders turn into prophets. Yeah. Prophets turn into gods. Mm-hmm. And without leaders, you're nothing. There's a difference between leading and forcing to follow. I think people would respond to leaders, what they perceive as genuine politicians, which we don't see that much. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of religious people obviously see that in their pastors. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a human concept. Yeah. So religious people do it one way. Atheist people kind of do it or can do it. But no, because that's too much like religion. Why should they own that? But we give it away. I mean, right. without yeah, any yeah. leaders, you don't have it. You don't have power. You don't have yeah. influence. You're a forever minority. Yeah. Don't have a voice. All these things, even the no place of worship. Yes. We have places. We don't have places of worship. We don't have our own place. It depends. I kind of worship the stainless steel brewing thing. You, don't, so you enjoy you a not. fine beer, but you don't <laughs> worship. Well, you don't have any fellowship at their heart. A place of worship is a place of fellowship. Where's the fellowship for atheists other than listening to podcasts by themselves? <laughs> well, meetups is one form of fellowship. You know, like that's more hit and miss, and there's no commitment. Right. No, and, yeah. It's you know, still like herding cats. But so is yeah. church like herding cats. If but you, you look at how many people actually attend church, I mean, there's still... You do have the... Air quotes, atheist churches, the the oh, yeah. the Sunday assemblies, and, the assemblies mm-hmm. and, those, and those type things, and those are, are geared more towards the person who misses the dare I say fellowship of a church, but just doesn't believe in organized religion. And those kind of take that place. They're like a secular gathering because churches don't own gathering together with like-minded individuals, listening to a speaker talk about a, a subject, and singing a couple songs. I don't know. It, it just seems like he's trying to throw away a lot of these human concepts, you know, without recognizing that we have created other ways to fulfill those without a God. Why can't you just say, I don't believe in God. We have no God. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he's kind of shut off the conversation. But, but, there's a, <laughs> but there's a we here, though, still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's not it, I. You know, right. It's like, I don't believe in God. There's a right. we. Who's with me? <laughs> well, interesting. I, I would say no. Yeah. I'm, you know what? I'm not with you. And you guys tell me, am I splitting hairs? No, no, no. Because what just struck me is he's kind of being a leader there, isn't he? 
Mm. <laughs> I'm sure he checks his follower count. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he has like self metrics like, oh, that post got a thousand likes. Yeah. They like do more me. of that. Yeah. I am a leader. And this may work for him, but that's his personal brand now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And when you hear people complain about atheists, it's that kind of the out angry there. atheist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Would you have even given this a second thought if instead of we have no belief system, it said we have no dogma? Dogma is a kind of a squishy word, too, I think. Without really knowing the definition of it. I mean, it's a religious term. The way I've always, and I don't have to Google dogma to see what the actual definition of it is, but the way I've always defined dogma in my own head is religious teachings of the church that aren't necessarily biblical, so to speak. So here it is. It says a principle or set of principles laid down by an authority has entered. Incontrovertibly. There you go. True. Okay. So it doesn't have a religious context. Could it be used in a scientific concept? I don't see that it could because they're saying without inter. Well, the religious would say that the Big Bang theory is our dogma. We don't. But we don't say that. Were you there? Did you see it? You know, no. But we don't say that anything is true. I mean, that we say that we have confidence in it. I mean, because science is always open for new information. So it's not like there's an absolute truth. And that's what that's kind of suggesting to me in that definition. Well, certainly with the lack of any evidence. Yeah. Interesting uh, conversation with a guy at work who is like sings in a Catholic choir and is very religious. And at lunch, he was talking about how they led CBS Sunday Morning with a story on flat earthers. I, I remember Kelly wanted to see it and missed it. And I don't think either of us said, oh, they're going to obviously lead CBS Sunday morning mm-hmm. with a story on flat earthers, which is a head scratcher. And he was offended by it. Like, offended. That they would just, do that. Like, and just point after point after point. And he's religious. Why was he offended by flat earthers or the uh, the coverage of flat earthers? Why do they? It's a lie. Space. But it's to... it's it's a it's a it's not even in question a verifiable falsehood. Why is CBS on their hugely popular and influential Sunday morning show that talks to artists and musicians and plays and does these what they're doing in the cornfields in Iowa? Yeah. Real America lead off with flat earthers. What do we possibly need to know about them? But what that is, is a, hey, anybody that thinks, hmm, the world really is flat, there's more of me. That's like a network stamp of approval of... Was CBS Sunday morning endorsing the flat earth theory, or were they they pointing and laughing at the rubes? I need to see it. That's not the kind of show it is, making fun of the rubes. They celebrate that stuff, which... I would not have pegged him for somebody that would come out so hard over that issue. And, you know, if an atheist said that to me, I'd be like, yep, that's what I expect from you. Did you point out to him that the Bible basically says the world's flat? If you read the description, you know, it's a flat earth under under a dome. This is one of those times, and I have it more than you think. I'm glad I don't know the Bible that well and don't have a Bible app on my phone (laughs) because I was like, oh, you know what I should talk to you about? Who completely goes against like the religious uh, dogma? Yeah. I'm going to dunk on you. (laughs) Like, like, no. That would be the that'd be the last thing to do. And plus, if you introduce them to that, you know, that that's in the Bible. 
he might become a flat earther. No. <laughs> but, but, you know, you might know. It's, it's got to be like the most commonly asked flat earther question. What happens when you get to the edge? Yeah. Like, do you know what they say? I, I it depends. genuinely don't. There's, the way, as, as I understand it, there, there's two models. And there's, there's, even a, there's even a divide amongst flat earthers. <laughs> but there's two models. And one being... That is a big use of that term, yeah. model. <laughs> that, okay, the earth is flat. It's like a pizza. And the very center of the pizza, that's the North Pole. And the edge all the way around is Antarctica. It's like a pizza crust, right? Yeah. It's, all the it's, ice. Like, so it's, it's like a wall. It's like a frozen, it's like wall. It's like a frozen wall. In Game of Thrones. Exactly. It's the wall. Yeah, yeah. Too slippery. Exactly. I think one of the arguments they said is nobody has has ever traveled across Antarctica, which I don't know that to be true or false. Uh, it wouldn't matter. They yeah, wouldn't believe it, yeah, it anyway. Right. No, it's, it was all done. It was fake. Right. It was fake. And then there's the exact opposite where Antarctica's in the middle, which I don't That's, understand how, how Magnetic North works at that point. If Do you think that you think this theory is concerned about Magnetic no, North? No, yeah. <laughs> Just like anything else, there's as many flat earth theories as there are flat earthers. There are some that are, you know, more popular than others. But those seem to those two seem to be the main theory. So So I agree though, that is like why should that be given airtime? But it's So you guys get to play media executive now. Well I know why no, they so, do it. It's no, for oh, clicks and for, uh, for well, ads. it's not it's not that easy though, because their brand is non-controversial. They don't do investigative pieces. They do interviews with artists and authors and chefs and go to maple farms yeah. in Vermont. Yeah, I always thought it was like yeah. the good news kind of. Who, who's this got the best a... biscuits and gravy in your neighborhood? <laughs> right. Hard-hitting journalism. Right. Yeah, to take your mind off the crappy stuff that's going they, on elsewhere you know, they, in the world. They do a couple of uh, commentaries with the black... So they, they let you know that it's commentary. It's yeah. one person. There's a black background behind them. You know, it just says anger. Yeah. You know, compared to the rest of the show. You lead the show talking about flat earthers. If you make flat earthers happy with that piece, you have not done your job. Or you have sold out your show and brand to a fringe cult. To me, it's, it's very similar to, you know, the Trump thing going on. Is any kind of airtime, you know, he just did that that uh, interview with Leslie Stahl on 60 Minutes. And I think it's probably posted on YouTube by now. That was, that was I didn't, I couldn't watch it. Yeah. I didn't watch it. I've, I couldn't watch it. But I've watched plenty clips. of clips. Yeah. It's horrifying. Yeah. To us, it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying for the Trump believer, he did magnificently. I mean, no, you know, he's... slam dunk. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that's the thing that kind of frightens me a little bit going into these midterms is that's his game right now is getting as much airtime as he can, you know, through these rallies that he's doing, going down to Florida. Okay. Doing, you know, okay. interviews that so he hadn't done this, before. This, Kind of, sort of segues into the second topic. That's fucked. That is fundamentally wrong with how we used to think of ourselves as a country. I've never, not in our lifetime, not probably in our parents' lifetime, that we're watching the birth of a dictator and a dictatorship or I'd use the word fascism. Yes. Uh, yeah, you, yes. It's definitely clearly defined. There's been many people that have written books, and I'm glad they're starting to use that word because that's what it is. And they're just using Christianity, evangelicalism, to get there, which has been a long time. I think it's, yeah, I think they're 
maybe more useful idiots than anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. But that climate change report came out, and I, I don't know how anybody who's really paid attention to it wouldn't just go, holy shit. Yeah. And nothing has changed. The, the, Until it's profitable, it won't. Not only nothing, but aggressively going in the other direction. Well, now. From ignoring it to... We did some window dressing things. You know, the, the Paris Accord thing was a, a window dressing. And it, uh, I think the Paris Accord was a big step. Oh, no, if it wasn't a big step, we wouldn't have unilaterally pulled out of it. it was, I don't even know why we pulled out of it. It was, it was non-binding. Well, that's you why know, it was. But I mean, you know, it was a step in the right direction. It was, it was suggestions a step in the right at direction. Best. But it has yeah. to be. But it has right. to be suggestions. Yeah. Right. It, it has to be. Right. You can't put the whole world in binding that big of a deal in a binding matter because if somebody breaks it, now what do you do? Right. That's how wars start. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, right. the whole non-binding. We're all going to do it for all our own reasons, but we're all going to do it. Then you know what? Fuck you. No, we're not. Yeah, but wars are going to start as climate change starts to really... Yeah, when you got Group A says, hey, well, Group B is not going to do it, so we're not going to do it. And you got Group B saying, well, Group A is not going to do it, so we're not going to do it. No, what I'm talking about is like when we start running out of food and water. Well, I was thinking about it on the the ride over. And this is not too far in the future. No, there's in 23. These are intractable problems. When they're talking about habitable life. What happens to the world before you start talking about a planet that's the best you can do is habitable life? That is crazy scary. Well, yeah, but we, we saw a microcosm of that last week with the, the hurricane in Florida. I mean, the damage that thing did, you know, when you saw those pictures, it looked like a bomb went off. I mean, these houses were just flattened. And there's been articles coming out, too, on a lot of these people that were living paycheck to paycheck, didn't have insurance. Yeah, they're screwed. Their jobs are gone, you know, until, you know, most of them were working in the tourist industry. And, you know, the hotel is They're not going to have any tourists in Mexico Beach for quite a while. Yeah. So what's going to really happen to those people? What's the plan? Who's going to pay for that? Right, right. Insurance companies, you know, they're going to, if they're insured. Well, if they're not, then that's a done deal. It's over. And should you even rebuild there? Somebody will. It's well, why, well, why should you? Why should you be allowed to? Where they have no development on nope. on, on the coast. No. How far? How, not right there. How far inland do we need? Do we need to stop? Development? Well, hundred miles, fifty miles. No, no, not develop. Redevelop. The money you put into redeveloping Mexico mm-hmm. Beach could go elsewhere to develop something. You're putting it right back in harm's way in in an era that those storms are going to get stronger and yes. more frequent. Yep. Why the fuck would you do that? But how uh, how long before that particular area gets another direct hit how, like it did? If Nobody you, knows. No, but why would you take the chance okay. just from a statistical standpoint? Right, so, hey, I'm getting sciencey on the Atheist podcast. <laughs> so you, so you, take that, you take the money that you would have used to redevelop Mexico Beach and you take it down the coast to... Pensacola or, or, or Sandestin, and then you build another golf course or whatever. No, but that's you, inside. You build some more. You build some more hotels. But or, that's no. that's the problem with climate but, but change. No, nobody wants to vacation fifty miles from from the from the beach. You know, in the Panhandle of Florida, everybody goes. Well, for, nature doesn't care where you want a vacation. Right. right. <laughs> nature <laughs> but, just took care of that. Didn't my dad. I was talking to him after because we were in Florida. We were supposed to be in Florida all week last week. We were supposed to come back yesterday. Right. We had we got down there 
for a couple of days and then mandatory evacuation. I mean, when we left to go down there, it was still, eh, it's going to rain one day. It might get a little breezy. Oh, yeah, that you know, came out of nowhere. This is the rustling the yeah. ice part. And we literally within, within a couple of days, it went to, oh, it might be a Category 2. You know, we might have to buckle down for a yeah. day. To the fact that this thing's going to be a 3, now a 4, almost a 5 by the time it hits. So... The fact that it went from tropical storm to holy fucking shit. Yeah. That fast. In a couple of that days. That happen either. No, it's no, warm It's water. all that warm water. Warm water. Yeah. Yep. Now, my father flew helicopters for oil companies back and forth out to the oil rigs back in the, I want to say late 60s, early 70s. And when Camille. Tough job. Yeah. When Camille hit. Which was 1969. That was that was the mother of all hurricanes for a long time. Mm-hmm. They sent them out after it hit. They sent them out in their helicopters to basically do like re- reconnaissance. And they sent my dad towards Mississippi, and he got to uh, East Bay, St. Louis, and called back and said, "It's not here anymore. It's gone." And he says, "And that's what the pictures, the pictures that he saw of Mexico Beach, reminded right, yeah. him of Camille yeah. and what it did." Uh, back so, forty you know, years ago. Speaking years of ago. that whole yeah. that you know get, getting back into climate change, those storms hit those oil derricks out in the Gulf of Mexico, and what was it? Deepwater Horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the whole coast of Louisiana has those things. Yeah. Those are let's just say environmentally unfriendly. Mm, yeah, very. And very. storms hit them, and something happens to them. Private companies won't have the probably the uh, inspiration. To clean it up. Right. Has, got to take care of their show. Has, I don't know. Has there ever been a massive oil link due to a offshore drilling operation getting hit by a hurricane? Not that I, not that I know of for nope. a fact. We'd have to Google Duck yeah, that. Yeah, we'd have to yep. Google Duck. I'd, I'll go out on a limb. I'll go out on his limb. I'll say no. Th- those things are built. Okay, to withstand you're, you're saying that. that, but the intensity of these things is they're, they're, yeah, the, the like storms the one that hit getting Florida more and they're, was and they're, almost a five, and they're and they're getting more frequent. Yeah, I don't know if it. You know, the main thing is is the intensity is because of the warm yeah. water and all. You'd have Camille, Andrew, Hugo. It was you know it was years between. Well, and like the one that hit uh, the Carolinas. Hugo, or the one that just hit. That just hit, right, oh, right, right. Starts with an F. And I don't think that was, you know, an intense one. Francine, I don't but know. But it was slow moving and it had so much water. That, that was the issue By the way, there. that story, it that story out. disappeared. Yeah. yeah. Because there, were, there was flooding all over North Carolina, and they and talked South about Carolina. those yeah. big lakes of pig shit. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That may or may not, I mean. And chemical it, ponds. Uh, and All that stuff. Look, that's a story that you may not see the impact for a while. Uh, Vice News did a story on the pig farms in North Carolina, which, next to Iowa, has some of the largest number of pigs of yeah. any yeah. state in the country, and how they use the the pig shit. It's kept in, in large ponds and then used as fertilizer uh, on farms and stuff in the area. But yeah, a lot of those, they just went into the regular water supply. Yep. yep. However, even in a state that has algae on a good chunk of the beach. Marco Rubio, very telling statement. 
when he said he was aggressive for a Republican admitting the fact that climate change is probably a thing. However, I'm also not going to destroy our economy. See, yeah. There's a reality here. There's a balance on that end that we need to be focused on. That's ridiculous. That's, that's yeah. yeah, I mean, that's where you look at the example of the coast of Florida now. Where is that economy now? It's yeah, but do they out. put two and two together? Because they can't. Their governor, uh, another almost cartoon villain, the guy that banned the use of climate change, the, the, the use the, of the word, use yeah. of the word climate change in Florida. Talk about mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm not going to destroy the economy. And getting back to the last podcast on the, or maybe it was a two ago, Anand Jirad, I forget his last name, the guy that basically said. I've talked about philanthropy mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. how yeah. it's there to preserve the status quo. Yeah. That's exactly what that statement is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not going to destroy our economy, which means we're not going to disrupt the people and the companies making money now. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. that's the most important thing. Right. Quarterly you, profit. Not even quarterly profits, but the winners now, the people who are winning the success stories. Yeah. We can't disrupt them, even though there's a scientific reality of, religious terms, biblically bad proportions. And we're frozen, cannot agree on that to do anything and aggressively flout what is happening in the world and go in the opposite direction. That's fucked. You think there's hope if we flip 2018 and all that, but I, you know... I hate to be a pessimist, but I'm, I'm not 100% confident that that's going to resolve anything. It's not going to resolve anything. It would make everything now five times worse. From the standpoint of... Now you have a party that's got power and is going to use it. And then you got the opposite party, which controls the presidency and the other House of Congress, and less than zero will ever get passed. The House can do whatever they want, and the Senate's going to give you the finger. If the Senate wants to do something, the House is going to give you the finger. Nothing's going to happen. They still make... But we'll have the ability. That's where the fears of the dictatorship come in. Did you see the video... This is the second time he's done this in a couple of weeks of Senator David Perdue grabbing the cell phone yeah, from that yeah. guy's hand, from that, yeah, that kid's tech, hand. Yeah. Yeah. What the mm-hmm. fuck? Uh, I miss this. He was talking to um, Nathan Deal mm-hmm. and asking him, and he didn't say he was a Democrat. He said this is a thing for if you're Democrat, Independent, Republican, that we should not have somebody that's in charge of voting running for governor. governor. And he you know, basically flipped. He didn't answer the question. And said, well, aren't you glad he's down in, in South Georgia trying to open up all those early voting places? So he totally you know, just avoided the question he asked about, you know, does that make any, any sense? And then the second one was with David Perdue. And I think, what was that guy asking him? It was something about I'm going to look it up while you tell the story. Yeah. I can't, but it's the same kind of thing. I mean, yep. this, in this case, though, it's worse. He actually grabbed the kid's phone. And took it away from him. I guess, I think he gave it back eventually, but and wouldn't answer the question. Why did he take the kid's phone? I don't understand. That's a good question. To me, that's theft. You know, yeah. you're taking somebody's property. Beat a guy's ass and take your phone back. But I mean, that's the thing is is you know the Republican Party is getting away with this stuff. People are posting these things, but has it changed the mind of anybody out there? Oh, voter ID. Yeah, and so, so they were refusing the way, to answer the question. The way, good for him and for the kid. Y- yeah, hell oh, yeah. yeah, yes, yes, hell yeah. yeah. Yep. And you know the fact that a senator, you're that thin-skinned and hot and can't answer a question, and you're representing from a kid everybody. With a cell phone, right? You know, right. what yeah. are you, what are you worried yeah, about? What are you doing on that campus, Georgia right. Tech? Well, right. this is. 
the same guy that during the Kavanaugh Kegger, activists were following him in the hallway of the Senate. He wasn't acknowledging them. He was walking really fast. And he gets to a men's room and Man takes the hardest, fastest right he possibly could. So basically ran into the men's room to get away from women that were asking him hard questions. It's the angry mob. That is another reason. I totally forgot about this because I'm pushing out of my head because it's, to me, it's grim. That you're, that if you oppose them, you're part of a mob yep. that mm-hmm. needs That's to be what, squashed. Yep. And that's what Trump's been putting out in all his rallies. You know, when you get a post on on David Perdue, the people that are hardcore Republicans are cheering that on because he he's fighting the angry mob. So that's the division. Right. We're getting so that's set you up. now. That's everyone at this table yep. and yep. all you, most of your family. And now you're part of a mob that needs to be snuffed. Silenced. Yeah. Yeah. Because did you see the there was an article just posted where Trump is looking at trying to limit protests yeah. in D.C. Where I did that see that. Kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's what I fascists see that. do. Yeah. They shut down any opposition. And to me, that's frightening that it is going on and there seems to be this politeness that we can't really call it what it is. We can't say that to our fellow Americans and we can't say that to our friends and we can't say that to our relatives and we definitely can't say it on news programs because that would really be impolite. We want to listen to both sides. Right, you know, they're good people on both sides. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's really dark stuff. There's people cheering that through social media so they're out there. And they think we're the enemy. At what point, how do you overcome when somebody that doesn't know you and just because political belief turned into you're on the other team and the other side, you're a liberal and you're a Democrat, so you are evil and you need to be basically put down, particularly in the political arena, the amount of animosity I'm tired of being hated for my political beliefs because I don't agree with anybody on the other side. It's not that I hate them. I don't agree with them. I think they hate us. And that's a different dynamic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a shift in politics that I never thought I would see. But yeah, there's a fine line. I mean, I I thought you were going to say that you hated them too. And there's things I hate about. You're right. Right, yeah. I I do my best not to hate the individual. But to hate how they've been taken advantage of, that's the main thing. Well, they don't feel that way, though. Well, I know they don't. They don't, yeah. I mean, when you're being brainwashed. There was a really cutting article. I saw it on Deadspin, but it was probably on their sister site, Splinter, where basically this guy, Hamilton Nolan, who is who is not known for kind of soft social commentary, basically said, if you're at Fox News, you should quit because you are supporting the propaganda machine. And that's always been kind of a media belief, like there's good people that work at Fox. It's not just, well, it's all the people behind the scenes, though. It's all the producers and the guest bookers and the technical people and the graphics folks and all all of them. And the journalists that basically give cover to state TV. Because they really have turned into it. But we're moving in this direction that I don't think anybody really wants to see. But I don't know what you do about it. Well, and and I think there's a mentality, too. When I was in the corporate world, I kind of saw glimpses of it back then is is when you're just a small piece in the puzzle. This this goes for Fox News, too, because they're a big conglomerate. As you think as an individual, I'm just sitting behind my desk doing my job. So it's not me. It's the rest of them out there that 
But it's that accumulation of the me, 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 me that make the us, that makes the corporation, makes the Fox News. And until we get out of that herd mentality where we have cover, because there's so many other people in the organization that are giving us protection, giving us cover, but, you know, they're probably not seeing the big picture. I don't know. Oh, maybe they are. But it also pays well. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, where else can I go? I have Fox uh, News on sure. my resume. <laughs> yeah. Well, not just that, but you're going to take a vow of artistic and moral poverty, that won't go over too well in your house. Well, and that, yeah, because, I mean, the other... The, the other mortgage company epoch- won't like it either. <laughs> the other apoc- apocalypse on the horizon, we're talking about climate change, and that's, that's the one that's going to do our species in. But you know, there's a lot of people that are pointing to a financial collapse. Okay, so that, a financial collapse obviously would be horrible. However, prior to that, you almost casually dismissed our species right um, <laughs> thank you demise well, I, I, right. the yeah. demise of the species yeah, oh, by I, the I, way we, we could all yeah. lose some big yeah. money yeah but you know <laughs> hey my 401k is real about to take a hit you know well I'm just looking at the, at the now yeah. at the now yeah, yeah. Well, but 20 years from now, we'll be killing each other Isn't that the point? Isn't that the difference, though? Because how long before climate change is the now? You could argue when they're writing things into the what's left of the skyscrapers is... Like Planet of the Apes. Well, (laughs) it's clearly coming on a scale that no one really can get their arms around. But it should be the number one thing that everybody thinks about this giant experiment of human history is we're getting to that point. Not the end times, but just from a math perspective. We got X billion people on the planet. The climate and habitat is not going to be able to support it like it is now. But let's not change anything until it's too late and we can't do anything about it. And if that's the case, I don't know if you could underestimate all hell breaking loose. Why aren't we thinking about that, though? It's in our lifetime. I mean, seriously, not to get apocalyptic, but I got kids. Mm-hmm. Would I want my kids to have kids? That's, I don't know. Yeah, that's where I'm at, too, with my get, my kids. Is they're at that age. You're married now, newlyweds. A few years that's down the, the road. Next step. Want, to start a, be, want to start a family. Yeah. Yeah. That's what yeah. you do. And that's why I also brought in the financial thing, too. I mean... It's a compounded issue. Climate change, yeah. I mean, you're going to bring him into a world where that's starting to go on. But also, if there's a financial collapse, are my kids going to be employed gainfully? Well, and the other thing, too, is you don't know what the future jobs are going to be. That changes matter? What does it matter when Miami's underwater? Or the influx of people coming to Atlanta to escape Miami. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Or influxes of people... From looking for countries that don't exist and, anymore. Yeah, a lot of cities going to uh, the Netherlands to look at their dike system. You, and, you think you know. that you think immigration is a problem now? Yeah, they're not seeing that toll, you know, like to that extent. But it's a, definitely a problem in Europe. Right. A lot of political friction there. Yep. A lot of political friction. This ties back to that earlier segment. This is why we need profits. Who in in political power? Mm-hmm. talks about this. The Democratic side pays some base to it, but if they're still... I think in, they'd put their money where their mouth is if they had the ability to. 
Well, that's what I'm saying, is they're so far in bed with corporate interests and corporate lobbyists. I mean, that's the way politics are right now, is their hands are tied to a certain extent as well, how much they could actually do because they don't want to take away jobs. So you think that's a hit on the Democrats? I'm concerned about it. Hopefully somebody's going to come forward and kind of shift right, that but, conversation. So let, let's but. say that right now they don't, probably don't have a prayer in getting something passed. Oh, I'm, yeah, that's the other so part of it. So why do you – So, But I'm saying if you, we had all – Right, All, but but we don't. Yeah. So yeah, and let's say that we get we even get the house. It would be huge if you could pass some kind of climate change thing and get a few Republicans to flip. When's the last time that happened? They don't have a tendency of flipping. And this is why I'm so pessimistic. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I, I'm I like Democrats who voted for Kavanaugh that flipped. It was the guy from West Virginia. Mansion. That was a vote of convenience to get reelected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It would have you know they say. The conventional wisdom says if Collins would have been a no, he would not have been the 50th vote. That's real easy to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to. On Vice News that, that where he yeah. talked about, you know, the West Virginia voters. Yeah. Went through a bunch of stuff. And at the end, they asked how many would vote for him again. Oh, yeah, all of them. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he did what he did. It didn't change anything. Right. And, yeah, that's the thing, too, is those people in that state aren't going to want anything that's going to mess up their coal industry. No, but you know what? I, I think that's a... That's I, what they were saying in this thing. That was their big thing. And I, you know what? I don't believe it. This is one of those times when you you know, you know can get 12 people in a room... And they'll say what say you want them to... pretty much anything. Yeah. But jobs and coal keep going down regardless. It's a dead industry. It mm-hmm. is. It's a dead-end product right. that is going to increase the dead-endness of life on Earth. Right. Right. There's, there's more jobs in wind ener- energy in California alone than there is coal in- industry nationwide. Yeah, so they need to do some stuff in West Virginia yeah. to give. They have wind in West Virginia, don't they? I don't know. Is wind blowing West Virginia? Valley, yeah, sun, so. you know, what sun shines. Yeah, hey, yeah, you know, sun shines in Florida too. So I heard. Yeah, or manufacturing plants to make this stuff. You know what? Again, there's this protection of the winners. Marco Rubio, climate change is a problem, but I'm not going to mess up the economy for it. The fact that, and I'm sure you are actually thinking, should my kids have kids? You think that's a generational thing? Like after World War II, oh, I don't want my kids to have kids. Because obviously that didn't happen because people yeah. had kids like crazy. They came home and had yeah, a bunch of them. But yeah, I don't know if when the um, the Cuba missile crisis and mm-hmm. all that, I wonder if there's a little bit of a downturn then when we thought we were on the brink of nuclear, nuclear war. war. Yeah. If some people were thinking, well, maybe we better not. So, yeah, I don't know what the trend is. nuclear are. war was a man-made threat as opposed to right. one that we can't control. We you can you can control somebody pushing the button. You can't control the fact that the seas are warming. You actually can control it. Well, you control, We're choosing not to. Yeah, right, right, right. I mean, some of the stuff is already done in the hurricane stuff. That's already a done deal. If it's a done deal, then why are we rebuilding Mexico Beach? Well, yeah. Why, yeah, you know, what's yeah. going to happen when all that real estate in Miami Beach is underwater? They have problems with it now. I mean, well, you, because we're stupid. I mean, the same thing with New Orleans. That whole city was built below sea level, and they have pumps to keep the water out. Why do we, you know, why do we continue to build there? So the next Katrina, you think they do? No, I think they'll. You're just going to leave. You're going to leave it. You're going to leave a major metropolitan no. area fallow. No, they'll rebuild it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. it's we're stuck. We're yeah, screwed. but you know, you say it like it's a given. <laughs> like there's I'm, always going to be money and the will to do it at some point. Yeah, I mean, insurance companies. We're going to get hey, tired. We're the ones that what? pay for the high insurance. Fuck car, you, car your senators and, are Democrats. We're not going to rebuild it. Then where do those people move? Where I don't jobs? care. 
Vote for a Republican. We'll actually take care of you after the storm. You you laugh, but the people in Puerto Rico just experienced it. Right. And they're still experiencing it. Yeah. Houston, they got their money. We'll see what Florida gets. Right. See which way they vote. So Rubio said this after the hurricane? Said it Sunday. I mean, we're still a capitalist society. There's a lot of money in rebuilding after a hurricane hits. But there's a lot of cost. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to pay for it. I'll give an anecdotal story. Hurricane Andrew hit the tip of Florida, went through a homestead and, and... and then went back out into the Gulf of Mexico and picked up steam and slammed into Sorry. western Louisiana. I'm from Louisiana. I have a relative who, he had a company, and his company and him personally, they we're were... We're going to rustle some peanuts Go ahead. <laughs> we're having a little peanut break. <laughs> well, tell a story. Long and short of it is, his company and him personally were on the brink of having to file bankruptcy um, right before Hurricane Andrew hit. His business was putting up corrugated aluminum buildings. Andrew's hit knocked every corrugated aluminum building down in western Louisiana. Now, did he go, you know, this would be a great time to move to Iowa and start pig farming? No. no. I'm going to make corrugated yeah, buildings. I'm going to build the fuck out of some corrugated aluminum buildings because people are, are, are going to get their insurance money and they're going to want to rebuild. And he literally went from a two-week period from not being, you know, like literally on the brink of having to file bankruptcy to going out and having to buy a bunch of new pickup trucks so that he could run the crews necessary to do, the yeah, right to do all the work that was needed. But and, and who he had paid for all that is the question. Insurance, insurance companies. companies. Yeah. And then at a certain point, you know, still, when this stuff keeps happening. That still and, turned a profit for the year, at the end of the year. Yeah. Because they, they, they but at some point, you know, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, when these things continue to hit, then the premiums go oceans. up, right? And we all pay for that at a certain point. That's why a lot then of the insurance companies need to be looking to the government to say, "Hey, you need to bail us out on this stuff. These are acts of God." We live in Georgia. Go out and talk to some people in your neighborhood. There's a lot of people that moved here from Florida because they couldn't, uh, or Louisiana, uh, or Louisiana, mm-hmm. who couldn't afford homeowners insurance anymore. Right after. Right. A couple of years back, Florida got hit with three hurricanes in one year, mm-hmm. and you couldn't afford insurance anymore. Right. A lot right. of people that I worked with came from Florida because they just had to right. move. Do you think that's wrong? The insurance company has a responsibility to its shareholders. So, yes, they want to stay in business. Yeah. But they're a mandated fact of life. You can't get a mortgage without homeowner's insurance. Right. Yeah. So, you're in an area. You're in a high-risk from, area. From, from their actuarial tables, yeah. which have no faith in them. Hard-ass numbers. Always been hard ass numbers. We're going to end up paying more than we take in unless we charge X because this is an area that we know it's going to get hit. At the end of the year, we have to turn a profit. Period. We we didn't want to stay in business. Yeah, there's no other option. Right. So we have to charge more than we foresee paying out over the next 12 month period. Right. Right. If that's too expensive, maybe fewer people live there. But what you're going to get are people that can afford the insurance and dead enders that are like, well, it doesn't matter if that happens. Mm. I'm wiped out and that's it. I, I, I live near the coast you know, of Florida and I own, own a home and I, I need homeowner's insurance. Okay, well, this is what it's going to cost. It's the same thing. I'm 21. I got a DUI. I drive a four-wheel drive. How much is it going to cost me for six months of you know, auto insurance? <laughs> Bend over. It's the same thing. They're, they're going to find any reason they can to charge you more. By the tables, they're going to pay out on you way, way more Mm -hmm. than they should. Yeah. So they have to have expensive rates. You know, 
we're not at the point where there's so much money and Florida is so flush with red algae covering half the coast well, that, that they can say, you know what, we're going to spend a few billion dollars to rebuild Mexico Beach. That's also why flood insurance is separate. It's not included. Right. You know, right. It, that's, right. A that's separ- expensive too. That's a separate policy. Right. Yeah. Because right. your house may not be devastated by a hurricane. Right. Well, but chances are it's going to get flooded. Well, yeah, that's the other hurricane. thing too yeah. is, is like the 100-year flood zones and all that kind yeah. of stuff. 100-year yeah. hundred, yeah. floods. Yeah. Like, are, are coming every five years. Right. Yeah. All these giant-ass signs, can't disrupt the winners, can't mess up the economy, can't talk about climate change in state publications. You want to talk about denying the obvious and no pushback. And you did hear the, the clip with Trump and Leslie Stahl on climate change, or did you uh, avoid that one? I Not until now. Oh, okay. So let's hear it. It's, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's, he doesn't want to disrupt the economy is, you know, well, this is the man the that said kind of that, that climate change was a Chinese hoax to well, he mess said with it's not a hoax. Base. He's yeah, he's double, he's backing, backing off, off, backing a off little, but you know, the science is basically he's not, not willing all. to come out and say it's man made, you know, it's, well, it's, yeah, it's a it, natural it, cycle and it could reverse, yeah, it could reverse. Look, you're about to see a blatant and clumsy example of the big lie play out across the world, they've already started it. Saudi Arabia killed that guy and chopped him up and sent him to wherever they sent him. They sent a guy with a bone saw as part of this team. But we made it clear, the administration made it clear, that they spend a lot of money on arms and Mm -hmm. they're not going to do anything to disrupt that deal. Now, by the way, is a sign. That's a big-ass clear sign to them that you fix this, we're going to be on team, cover it up. And it was, it was almost comical to hear 45 have to say something nice about journalists. When he was talking about that, you know, this this is a big yeah, deal because the true. guys, you guys are a reporter. Works for the Washington Post. Yeah. He was having to go back against everything that he's been touting, you know, about the enemy of the people. Why didn't he just come in? Oh, the guy was just a number of the enemy of the people, so fuck him. Who cares? We're not going to soil the Saudi deal over one dead journalist. But they just said that they're floating this. It was an interrogation gone wrong. Right. Yeah, gone wrong. You know? But let's ignore the fact that he walked in there and obviously wasn't going to walk out regardless. No. Right. You know. That's the thing. We know for a fact he walked into the Saudi, was it the Saudi embassy in Turkey. Right. Right. And never walked out. No. Not that anyone has seen. Came out. There's video of him going in. There's no video of him coming out. No statements from him. California. Right. And and they're not saying, oh, he left. We don't know what happened to him. He was here, had a nice dinner. We talked. We chatted. That's why it's going to be this huge lie. He's put us in this weird uh, dynamic of, are you going to be a never Khashoggi? That it was an interrogation gone wrong and they really didn't mean to do it? Are you going to continue to do business with Saudi Arabia with them blatantly lying? You watch. They're going to play this out. They are going to make somebody pay for this. And it's probably not going to be somebody that was on the team or somebody on that team that's about to be sacrificed for the good of the monarchy. 
and you damn well know they're going to do it. And they're going to say, we took care of that rogue person that put us in this bad situation, and we're going to kill this guy, and now everything's good. This was a horrible thing that happened. No, they won't even and kill him. They, they were going to put him away, and then they'll put him away in some No, lives. they kill people. Yeah. But they kill people They kill people on a regular basis. Yeah. So well, they this cut is, your hand oh, off yeah, for yeah. stealing shit. But I'm right. saying they're not going to actually have somebody nope. physically fall on nope. the sword. They're going to kill them. You think so? Absolutely. They do it too often. And it's the only way for them. There's nobody in prison that can talk. Yeah. You're done. Dead men tell no tales. Well, you know, look, said the podcast was going to be as dark as the beer, yeah. but these are all super dark things that are happening now. Well, the other, and, yeah, the other thing, too, is we, we think that once Trump is gone, problem fixed. Now, I see the whole GOP is contaminated with this same kind of... That's if he leaves. At some point, he'll die. Sure. He that's what I said there. about Castro. Too. Yeah. <laughs> We talk about things that, as atheists, now I feel apocalyptic, and I don't like it. Right. But I feel like it because there's evidence for it, and that's one thing that atheists love to make fun of Christians yes. about apocalyptic proclamations yeah. right, right, and right. things that they say are going to happen and never do. Prophecy. We're seeing stuff going on, but we also have history to look back on and how this shit happens. Yeah. Is that just rationalization for it, though? Yeah. Now that I think these kind of dark thoughts, now it's true because I think yeah. this way. Yeah. You know, like they've been talking like this, what, for eons. Oh, yeah. Before it was just all hyperbole. Right. <laughs> right. But now, now we got some science yeah. behind yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Now that I feel this way, it's, right. it's just dead right. on. It's obviously, you know, we need to worry about this. Yeah. So, yeah. But there's still that helpless kind of feeling. So we have this apocalyptic kind of uh, idea of what's, what's going to possibly happen. There's a little bit more evidence for the things that we talked about tonight than the God talked to me and oh, we're all oh, yeah, going yeah, yeah. out in the field right. because on the 25th, the sun and you know Jupiter are going to be in, in retrograde and the good book says it's all over mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah, there's nobody you know. getting beamed off and, you know, remaining right. behind. We're all staying through this. With the, you know, oh, you know what? We really thought it was going to happen. It's it's really going to be 17 years we, from now. We forgot to carry the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Could be March 30th. Yeah. My bad. It was a, it was a year 2000 bunk yeah. in my calculations. And Jesus didn't come down to reboot this thing. It's This is our soup. And you know what? Funny you mention that. If that's the case and the seas start to rise, do people become... More and more hardcore religious. Jesus saved me. Heighten, heightening the tensions uh, between oh, the geez. two sides. I hope not. Man, I need a, I need history a is not history is not a good friend in that though. Mm-mm. I need a whiskey now. That's a different show. <laughs> this was a dark show. Can I just kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and let a little ray of sunshine oh, please in? Please do. Can can we end on a good note? I don't have sunscreen on. Okay. And and <laughs> you will burn. There's a story that's going around right now. Took place really last week when it all hit the fan. But the good folks up in your old neck of the woods, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, FFRF, Dan Barker, Annie, L- L- ah, Annie Laurie Gaylor. I uh, can't say that. You just did. I did. They're doing a really great thing right now. They created a, a charitable arm to the FFRF. Non-belief relief is the name of it. FFRF, which is a nonprofit organization, 501c3, they created a new organization called Non-Belief Relief, which does 
charitable work, and they set this up as a separate entity. This was done in 2015, and I don't know if they did this solely with this in mind and all the good that came out of the last couple of years of them doing their charitable work is just a byproduct of it, but what they have not done is filed a Form 990 with the IRS, which is part of public records. Any charitable organization, you can go and pull and you can get that information. You can see how much of every dollar that you donate to a charitable organization actually goes to helping somebody and not cover costs, internal costs of the organization. But since 2015, they have purposely not filed that form with the IRS. And now the IRS has come after them and said, we are revoking your tax-exempt status. So any money that you donate to non-belief relief is no longer tax-deductible. So that's obviously going to cut down on, on on what they take in. But their contention is, and I believe the whole reason that they set up this this thing was to challenge this particular part of the law. Because as a church or a religious organization that does the exact same thing that non-belief relief does, you don't have to fill out a 990 form. Nobody, nobody has to, nobody can go and pull the records to see how much the CEO of the religiously based disaster relief organization is, is getting paid on an annual basis. But well, they should have set, set up uh, as a church then. Kind of like whose John- side are you on? <laughs> <laughs> did you not hear anything he said? I did, but I'm thinking, you know. But uh, that was the whole reason behind it was to challenge. Yeah, they didn't the say IRS. that. No. They did not say that. They, they didn't say they did that. Come out. I, I'm putting words in their mouth at this point. But their argument is is that they are being being treated unfairly because they're not a religious organization. Right. Now. Apply the rules across the board. That's all they want is is a level playing field. And they don't care which way they decide to go. Oh, I think they do care. If if they, well. They should care. They should. They should care. Well, what I'm saying is they don't care how the the playing field is leveled. Whether all 501c3s no longer have to fill out this form or or if all of them, including churches, have to fill out that form. They're fine either way. I say, I don't say, I don't, I would would hope not. I would hope they, hope they weren't fine either way. I would hope that they wanted churches to be as transparent as they're supposed to be. Absolutely. Because that, you know, like basically lowering the level or lowering the level for corruption Outside of churches, yeah, that's a loss. Yeah, right. that's a loss. Now you can run your charity with no oversight, just like the churches do. Yay! I think it's, more dark. I money. think it's perfect timing after after this whole Pennsylvania grand jury thing and and, and the Catholic Church. People are starting. I think a lot of people are starting to look at organized religion. In a different life. But what matters is the court system. Yeah. And, you know, when they did that in 2015, maybe they had some hope that uh, things are going to be a little bit more progressive on the court. And now it's quite a bit more conservative and in favor of religion on the court. So I don't see where they're going to win this thing at all if it goes to the court. Hmm. 
legal punditry. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I that's thought, why that's why those I thought guys were trying to make it a light ending. He's now in He went dark last night. Yeah. <laughs> Stuck in the darkness. No, that I mean that's why Kavanaugh and uh, what's the other guy's name? Gorsuch is in there is to keep churches happy and corporations exceedingly happy. So good luck with that, FFRF. <laughs> What, whose team is he on? I don't know. I'm on our team, but I just, I'm... I just don't understand why <laughs> the rules are different if you are a charitable organization based upon fairy tales as opposed to based oh, upon reality. You know? Here we go. Yeah. What's the difference? Other than non-belief relief and, and others, and there's not, not that like there's a long list of secular, re, you know, disaster relief charities out there. Is it really a long list? There isn't. That's what, right. yeah. <laughs> well, I would be, yeah, I would be curious but as to the history on when, was that a loophole? Or was that from the beginning? Churches were always excluded from. As far as I know, churches have always, always. been excluded. Well, let me say this. I mean, so. Okay. You know, we're talking decades ago when it was the evangelical church was not really in power. It was the more traditional church, mainline. Ding. I was going to say, could you Ding. please yeah, say yeah, mainline yeah. or progressive? Right. Those churches did a lot of social <laughs> yeah. work. So the money they collected, a lot of it did go out to good purposes. Things yeah, a lot of it went to Rome, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, a lot I'm, of it went to... Uh, I'm not considering the Catholic church. A lot of it went to private planes and, and <laughs> right. really bad suits. Well, no, that's no. what I'm saying is when evangelicalism came into it and became the prosperity gospel thing, that's when things shifted. That's when they should have kept up and Okay, said, wait a minute. So <laughs> it's easy to say... In the Catholic Church, where the money goes, you know, money goes oh, up do, to Rome. Well, okay. They do a lot of charity well, stuff. Well, yeah. When you say a they, a lot of money in those Episcopal churches and Lutheran churches and all the... overhead, Right. Yeah. Where's that money go? Where's that money go? Well, I, yeah, I would still like are to they, see it. Are they, no, seriously. Yeah. I, 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 okay. I, God, I don't know. So I, but, I can speak for the church I used to go to because yeah. I was on the, on the council, so I knew what the budget was. And we were lucky. Oh, shit, we're getting an inside look. Yeah. Inside, yeah. inside Pull look. back the curtain. Forensic account. And I, yeah. I don't think we were unusual in this, but I think if we you know, had a good year, we were doing 10% to outside stuff. 90% of the stuff was you know, taking how big operation. Was how big was the church? Operational budget? I think it was like yeah, five hundred thousand members. Or, no, five hundred. No, no, no. I'm members. sorry. Holy shit. Five hundred. Five hundred. Five hundred members. I've been drinking. Uh, what? Uh, what? Uh, what? You guys pull revenue wise? I, I don't remember those numbers. I can probably look them up. But no ballpark. R- Just ballpark. Rough guess. Yeah. Seven figures. High six figures. Probably high six. I would say maybe. Yeah. Capital yeah. fund. Three quarters bit, of, yeah. Building bit, fund. You know, right. We had to have the building funds. Yeah. A little bit, you know, giving away enough, making sure the pastor's good and okay. not driving a piece of crap car, right. but not too fancy. Right. Yeah. He had allowance and stuff like that. Right. Housing allowance and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So I'm saying that after all was said and done, 10% went outside. Right. So, so if you're just like a tithing, don't have so, that yeah, so if you took in three quarters of a, of a million dollars, 75000 was going to out. Yeah. out to charitable. what I would call char- true charitable stuff. Where do the the rich church's money go? Where does that money go? 
Does that get plowed back in the church? Or is there a central organization that says, help us? That, that was my question with the well, First yeah, Baptist so, Church of Atlanta. Uh, are they kicking up, like the mob does, you know, you got to well, yeah, kick up, yeah. up the chain of command. Are they giving money to the Southern Baptist I, Convention? I don't know about or, the Baptist Church. I'm sure there there is that. Because yeah. with the Presbyterian Church, you had to pay so much to the to Presbyterian, the, so much to right. the... Okay. Yeah, so, they, yeah. so, they, so the... So the man took his cut. Oh, yeah. yeah you still so have a lot of overhead. Got to pay tribute. So, so yeah. So even, you know, with all that, it's like a, if you were going to give money to a church, and that's why one of the reasons we quit church is like, this is like a country club. Yeah. Uh, we'd be better off taking our money and paying it directly to these charities. But was that the first step, huh? That was the first step. Ultimately, it's good to see that the FFRF is fighting for these type of issues. One of the ways the current occupant of the White House enriched himself was through a foundation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why I think it matters, that's, even though it's unlikely, to make churches, their charitable giving, subject to scrutiny. So you can't launder money through it or use it as a checkbook. Well, that's what and, they want to do by getting rid of the Johnson Amendment. Is have churches a source of dark money for politics? And between that and then, oh, I can have I can have a charity, and I don't really have to file any paperwork on it. Great. The second best outcome would be you have to file a nine ninety, and the churches don't have to. Mm-hmm. That's the second best outcome. The best outcome is they make everybody file them. Right. That's unlikely. The right. worst outcome is no one has to. We want transparency. We do. But you need a functioning government right, yeah, we don't to do that. transparency. And so the other soapbox is, what was it, two weeks ago? There's that exhaustively researched New York Times story on About how Trump his taxes. Money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they basically, this part of the, one of the sub-stories of that, other than the fact that his sister, the federal judge, they didn't implicate her. But the fact that they did all this while she was on the bench, huh. You know, but the second thing is they played the IRS for complete suckers, and Jared doesn't pay any taxes either. Right, mm. right. You got enough IRS guys to go after FFRF over five hundred ninety thousand yeah. dollars, and just a form as opposed to actually getting real money from the people that are ripping you off. So you need a functioning government to hold those people accountable too, which is why they're doing everything they can to just crack the foundations of it. Again, Was that's there, more apocalyptic stuff, but it's happening. Is there a statute of limitations on tax fraud? Some of it, I think. Okay. But even if there isn't, mm-hmm. and I think it was maybe state, I, I can't remember. From what I understand, they they right. could go after Trump right. for they, back they, taxes. They certainly, they, meaning the Justice Department meaning of the, the IRS, yeah. Yeah. could. How likely do you think that's going to be? Not while he's in office. How likely do you think it's going to be when he's out of office? I think it's pretty likely. Mm, I bet not. If if he owes the U.S. government millions of dollars in back taxes, then they, they have to. No, they, they don't. Why not? Somebody has to push that button to make it go. Okay. And who would that be? That would be Jeffers, right? Or uh, Beauregard. Beauregard Sessions? Well, that's right yeah. now. What well, do you think? Until you think, Jefferson. You think, if, uh, you think if a Democrat wins in 2020... That they're able to reverse this, particularly if you can't get anybody confirmed before a Republican Senate and just leave it empty. The Justice Department would have to go after the recently deposed president, 
what level of political shitstorm would that be? I mean, whether it's right or not, can you imagine the news and social media and the cacophony of all of it? Is that the future, too? I'm so glad that I cracked the blinds and let a little sunshine in. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't last very yeah, long, did geez. it, well, on that note, you got, any, uh, got a recommendation? You got a shout-out? Got anything you want to want to plug? I do, actually. One thing that I learned and um, did a phone bank this week. First time I ever got really involved on that level in politics. But in this case, it was, it was focused on people that were sending in vote-by-mail ballots to make sure they received them. If they had any questions on filling them out, if they needed help with that, you know, make sure they, they plan on sending them in, get them in early. Those kind of things. See, and fatalism hasn't completely no. corrupted your soul. You're well, still working. I mean, I'm going to go down and fight like a son of a bitch. And anybody can do vote by mail. I was always under the impression, it might have come from the previous state I li- lived in, is you had to be somebody that had a legit reason. You're going to, you know, like military. You had to show a cause. Or college yeah. or whatever. No, anybody can do that. There's a lot of people that, you know, are afraid to vote. They're not thinking their vote's going to count. There's a lot of question as far as getting the voter machines hacked. There's no paper evidence and stuff. The voter thing is trackable, so it's a safe way to vote. So that's how I'm doing it. So that's my recommendation. The other thing I did this weekend is um, the same group, Millennials for Abrams. Wearing the T-shirt. Wearing the T-shirt. That gives me hope, too. They're younger kids that are want to change things. So they were in the parade and we participated just ahead of Stacey Abrams. So we all had, you know, so we were part of that Stacey Abrams thing. And this was at the Pride Parade at the Pride in Atlanta parade. this weekend. Yep. She is were the you a chaperone for first? Them? Huh? Were you a chaperone no, for we the were... Millennials for Abrams? Mm-hmm. We were, yeah, like a den father? <laughs> Get off your damn phones! <laughs> we're Millennials at heart. Um, but she's the first gubernatorial candidate ever in a Pride Parade in Georgia. So I thought that was kind of cool. I've been to... That's saying something. You know, you, you yep. wouldn't have Seriously? To, yes. Wow. Yes. Well, That's saying I don't find that shocking. Well, in Georgia? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I've been to two pride parades, and you've been in them or, you know, seen them. I mean, as a spectator. This time, you know, we were marching in it. And, man, to see the crowds and the enthusiasm for her was just, you know, I was close to tears. And it's like, that gave me hope. I mean, there's people in Atlanta that need this woman to win. So, people everywhere. That well, well do. yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just, yeah. There's some people outside of the perimeter that uh, exactly, exactly. Need her to win too. But I'm, I'm so, so that gave me a lot of hope. You know, if people come out and vote, that, I think that's the thing that that she's kind of saying is people can change this thing if they just get out and vote. You know, there's a lot of apathetic people that just sat on the sidelines, knocking on the doors like, like, like you did. If you just get one or two people that, that you know, we're going to sit home, you get them out to vote, it could make a difference. Right on. That's nice. my recommendation. Nice. You got anything? Nope. I got a quick one. This Friday night on HBO is uh, normally the Bill Maher uh, show. Oh, yeah. Real time. Uh, real time with Bill Maher. 25th anniversary. He's having his 25th anniversary. Now, this isn't just real time. This goes back to his days with politically incorrect, yep. and I remember watching back in the day. I vaguely remember politically shows, incorrect yeah, yeah. on that was on Comedy Central, and he got kicked off of that not long after nine eleven when when he said he some real. some things. He was on ABC, I think, at the time. Was it ABC? Yeah, yeah it, I think it, yeah, it moved from Comedy Central to ABC, and that's that's when he got picked up by HBO and, and started this new show. But whatever you think about Bill Maher, he, he's 
opened his mouth and stuck his foot in it more than more than once. 25 years on TV, the one thing you can't say about Bill Maher is he has always toted the flag for left-leaning politics, and he's always toted the flag for atheism. Did you see the last show last this last? The last weekend, yeah, the one he just did. That was, to me, one of the best ones. The people he had on the panel mm-hmm. and the discussions they had. I mean, that's about the shit getting real kind of thing, too. That was Andrew Sullivan. Was that one? I the names. I can't remember. They all start to run together after a while, but yeah. But it was really emotional. The thing I've always liked about his show is he's always, it's not an echo chamber. He's always had people from the right and from the left and from the center come on and have uh, Jerry's, Jerry's, you know. (laughs) Is that your dissent? His contrarianism is uh, is bubbling up over. Not this time. I will save that for the next pod. But, but this last episode, I think they put it on YouTube, the yeah. segments of it. The one with was Rebecca Traister on it and Rayhan Salon. I can't remember who yes. the middle guy was. Yes. Yeah. 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 Here's why. Okay. Who was the first interview guest on that show? Almarosa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why put her on it? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, there's... yeah are you going to say it was a good interview and you enjoyed her? Come on. No, be honest. Not necessarily. Okay. This is where he's interviewed Steve Bannon yeah. and Ann mm-hmm. Coulter and Milo, and Jordan Peterson. He's had a number of people on you know. yeah. But I've always, I've always considered myself to be a fan of his. I've always watched his show. I, I'll put it this way. I don't own a lot of movies, you know. People have, like, movie collections, you know. Hey. Religious, you have. Re- I own a copy that's, of Religious. That's, that's okay. the one movie. Right. Theme show. That's the one movie theme that show. I own. Bill Maher theme show. Okay. For, against, love, hate. Bring your Bill Maher take. Nice little segue. If you got anything to say about Bill Maher, send us an email. Yeah. <laughs> at, uh, at the Jerry God- at <laughs> godlessheathens at yahoo.com. Way in. Also, our Twitter is at Godless Podcast, our secret Facebook discussion group. Just Facebook search for the Godless Heathens Podcast. You'll find it. Send us a request. We'll get you approved and get you in there. And uh, you can let, let the fuckery begin. That's right. And But this is the end of the fuckery. But listen to us. <laughs> you are already, because if you're listening, you already know we're at godlessheathens.podbean.com and we're on YouTube and iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher and our third-rate podcaster app that only me and Jeff use. Overcashed! I'm going to have to download Overcast and see what the hubbub's all about. It is. I like it. I like it. So we're also on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash godlessheathens. How creative is that? And there's like a tip jar thing. We need to there. give a shout out. We've, uh, got, we, we have two patrons who have stepped right. up to help fund the old show here. No last names. Bob and Ashley. Yeah. Love you both. Yeah. And they get like advance warning when our... Right. We will we will Avoid release your phone. We will release uh, episodes uh, earlier than as early as possible to the patrons so that they get them before the unwashed masses. And maybe a bonus and episode or two that goes there first. We're actually we're working on that, Jeff. You are looking at doing an interview. Um, I, I go ahead. Am. Let's do a little teaser on the interview. A little teaser on that. So um, there's a guy I know from my old days. His name is Doug Paget. Part of the emergent movement, and then the convergent, and now he's doing a. Um, it's a movement called Vote for the Common Good. He's doing a bus tour that's going out to try to get. It's like thirty cities, right? It's a bunch of cities. Yeah, um, and so they're trying to convince people that are, you know, on the edge theologically to vote for things that make sense. Been to snag him for a podcast while he's on his bus sometime tomorrow. We'll 
post that when it's available. Um, but also go to iTunes and say whatever you want to review, as long as you give us a five-star review. Ah, look at that. Saying we, it like a pro now. Yeah, look, like, we didn't even have to correct him. No. <laughs> say whatever you Feels want. Whatever empty. the fuck you want. Tell us review. what you feel about Bill Maher, but just give us five stars. <laughs> <laughs> or how doom and gloomy we were. You know, yeah. any of that stuff. And then there's still an open invitation to Andy Stanley or Jesus or Andy's dad, Charles, if they want to come as a package deal. As uh, long as they want to come and sit down, we got an open chair right here. we got empty beer bottles, but, you know, we might give them a little treat. I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb. If, if Andy Stanley and Jesus both show up at the same time, I'm sorry, Andy, you're getting bumped. <laughs> well, they have a lot of explaining to do, yeah. both of them. i got so. a going-away song for this podcast. What you got? Hopefully. See y'all. That's some class X time, I hope. There you go. All right, we'll see y'all in a couple weeks. Someone met at the party and the devil is my friend. Yeah, the devil is my friend.